uh, right before Brother Walter died. Uh, I remember that and uh, held a revival here. And uh, I can remember the first time I ever came here <clears throat> and held a revival. Uh, some of you were right in there with me, and some of you looked like you had to get you as a deer that got caught in the headlights. You'd never seen anything like that before. Uh, but God's been good. He's, he's worked among us. Uh, and just in, in thinking about this and, and the potential for the future, just remember in Acts chapter 9 when God saved Paul. Paul didn't say, Lord, what are you going to do for me? He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And that's what's wrong, I believe, in a lot of our churches today is people want to know, what's the church going to do for me? I don't go because they don't babysit my kids. Think about that. You know who my babysitter was? My mom. You know where I was on Sunday morning? In the sanctuary. My mom had pinchers. They're called fingers. And when I got out of line, she'd pinch me real hard. And she'd do this without saying a word. And I knew the next time she did that, I was headed for the nursery. And that's the only reason I ever went to a nursery was to get my backside warmed up. Or to be taken outside if it didn't have a nursery, cut a switch off a tree and blister my hide real good and said, you go back in there, you're going to keep your mouth shut. But I tell you, folks, we've seen a shift uh, in, in the way people view church. And it's really sad when you stop and think about it. But... Uh, I appreciate the Lord. I'm excited about what God's got in store for you. I'm excited for what God has got in store for me. Uh, I know I'm in the will of God. I know this is what i got to do. And I'm excited about what's coming. And Dennis, before I forget, I want to get a copy of that song, I Brought Jesus is Coming Soon. Uh, I want to get a copy of that. I gave you my copy, so I want to make sure that I get a copy of that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to go to verse number 10. Uh, I really felt like a bouncing ball this week. Uh, Lord's had me all over the place, and uh, I'm sure Dalton will appreciate this, being a preacher, and those that uh, may be preachers here today that uh, I don't know. Uh, sometimes, God, uh, you're studying messages, and he just bounces you around all over the place, and then sometimes the ball will bounce right back to where he started. Uh, but I appreciate the Lord. Thank God uh, for what he's done. Look forward uh, to what he's going to do. Our world's in trouble our society's in trouble, folks are in turmoil, folks are in dire straits, folks are in danger. Uh, and we need to continue to pray because I know that God is the answer. So if you got your place, you stand with us, please, in reverence to the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying with always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly 
as I ought to speak. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for meeting with us today. Lord, I've already felt your presence. Thank you, Father, for your words been taught to us. Lord, I needed everything I've got, and I thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Father, to hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, understanding as we watch the end of all things unfold before our very eyes. Lord, we live in the most exciting time that's ever been. The time I believe that your disciples long to see. Lord, this is the day that they wanted. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand that our departure is drawing nigh. Thank you, Lord, for what you do, all that you bless us with every day. And Lord, what you show us and help us, Lord, to be close enough in tune with your word that we can relate what's going on around us with what your word tells us will happen. Now thank you for loving us and giving your son on the cross so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And I thank you, Lord, you didn't leave him on the cross, but you resurrected him on the third day after being in that tomb for three days. Lord, knowing that he really wasn't there, he was preaching to the spirits in prison, leading the captives up out of captivity. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection power that we can understand today. Lord, knowing that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken these mortal bodies also. And thank you for that, Lord. Now give us strength. Help us to stand. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I said, I've been bouncing around a little bit, and I'm going to probably refer to different things. But uh, first of all, I wanted to go on. I wanted to find out uh, what Ephesus was like. I mean, the, the city of Ephesus, what was it like? Uh, Ephesus was actually once considered the most important Greek city uh, and the most important trading center in the Mediterranean region. So these folks were pretty wealthy. Uh, they did survive multiple attacks, and the leadership changed hands many times between conquerors. Uh, here's something I found very interesting. Of course, this is all purely history. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, is thought to have spent her last years in Ephesus with John. Uh, her house and John's tomb can be visited there today. And that goes back to John 19, verse 25 through 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. So I believe John took serious what Jesus told him to do. He said, I want you to take care of my mom for me after I'm gone. And I believe this is probably where they ended up. Uh, and he took care of her for the rest of her life. But uh, I want you to think about these words here. Verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, first of all, who is he writing to? He said, my brethren, those of you that are saved, those of you that know the Lord, this is what I want you to know. You must be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is not about your strength. I hear people brag about how strong-willed they are. Your will must match God's will or you're not in his will. That's just the way things happen. But as I went through this scripture, and I wanted to share a few things with you, and I'm just going to flip back. And if you're writing somebody, you're communicating things to them that you feel like they need to know. Uh, in chapter number 1, verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And I believe that Paul here is letting him know, I'm praying for you. I have been praying for you. I don't stop praying for you. And folks, I want you to know, we should never stop praying for each other. It don't matter whether you like it or whether you don't. It don't matter whether you like somebody, you don't somebody. I don't care, and I've said this a thousand times here, and I'll say it a thousand times wherever I go. I don't care if you voted for them or not. You need to pray for them. This is not about your opinion against theirs. We're in trouble. And the only thing that's going to fix this is God's power. Amen. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know three things. The hope of his calling the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his power. He brought all this in Christ, and we've got to understand there is no power greater than God. God's it. You don't get any higher than that. You don't find any power that is any higher than it. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, there's some good information to have. You're saved by grace through faith. It ain't what you're doing. It ain't what I'm doing. We ever get in our head and get it all settled in our heart that I'm saved, not because of what I do and how I perform. Amen. It has not. See, I, and that's like works. I understand good works. You show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm not saved because I work. I work because I'm saved. Right, So we stop and think about that. You go to chapter number 3, verses 14 through 17. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Paul said, this is why I'm praying. This is what I'm praying for. I want you to understand what I'm praying for. What, what are you praying for? What do you pray for every day? When you go to the Lord in prayer, what are you praying about? What are you asking God for? What are you asking God to do? Paul's prayer was directed to these people. And I believe every other church he had visited, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by his spirit uh, in the inner man. And then in chapter number 4, verses 30 uh, to 32, uh, let me flip a page here, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 30 to 32, the Bible said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed, unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So he said, you need to remember, you need to forgive one another. Uh, there, there's going to be things that happen among you. I mean, there's, there's no two people on the face of this earth, amen, that have been married for any space of time that didn't have a disagreement sometime or another. Amen. The way I've always looked at it, if a two people never have a disagreement, somebody's bending over too far backwards. That's just the way I look at it. I mean, ain't no two people perfectly compatible with each other. You're going to have differences, and you're going to have those things that come up. In chapter number 5, uh, verses 16 and 17, redeeming the time because the days are evil, wherefore be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
Friend, we've got to understand what God's will is. This is not about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's not about what I understand. It's not about what you understand. But it's about what God wants. That's God's will. That's God's perfect plan for your life from the day that you were born to the day that you die. God has got everything lined out for you. So we go back to Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, of all these things that he's written to them, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, if you want to be strong in the Lord, you have to have on his armor. You cannot have your armor on. You see, David, when he was going after Goliath, the Philistine giant, Saul said, David, wait a minute. Before you go over there and tackle that giant, I need to give you something. You need to put on some armor. You're going to have to have some armor. And David, they put that armor on him, and Dalton, I have to believe that uh, the Bible said David was just a stripling of a lad, a little sunburnt boy, amen, and they put that armor on him, and I can just about see him teeter-tottering under it and said, I can't hold this up, and he just threw it off. He said, I don't need this. He said, I ain't even proved this, but he said, you know what I have proved? I have proved this little slingshot I've got in this bag, and all I got to do is pick up some rocks down there in the creek, and I'll be back with that boy's head. I have no doubt about it because I've been a shepherd all my life. I've been taking care of the sheep. There's been a bear come along and tried to get one of them. There's a lion come along and tried to get one of them to kill both of them. I've already proved this slingshot. I know what it'll do. And I believe that we need to understand what God can do. So the Bible said in verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the schemes of the devil. The devil is full of schemes. He's got wiles and he's always got something planned and he's trying to get something done. He's got, a, he's got an agenda whether you do or not. <coughs> so... The Bible said, verse number 12, listen closely, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I know that you all have heard about Afghanistan. You're probably sick of hearing about it, but I'm going to give you something here today. As I study this message, the Lord showed me something about what's going on over there, what's really going on. We've got an enemy over there. We've got him outnumbered. Their weaponry is not nearly as powerful as ours, except for what we just gave them. But somehow they've got the upper hand. Now I want that to sink in just a minute. What's really going on? This is a war like no other. Don't look to the man in the White House to fix this. He, he can't do it. You can criticize him. You can put him down. You can talk about anything that you want to, and you can get on your political high horse, and it's real easy, you know, sort of like being in leadership. It's like you've got 12 men on the field beating their brains out, and you've got a bunch of people up in the stands, 50,000 or so, that are criticizing everything they do. It's real easy to do that from a distance, but folks, the real problem here, this is not an ordinary war. This is spiritual. What is fueling them? We were over at Tracy's, uh, uh, over at Peyton's girlfriend's house yesterday. We took him some lunch, visited with him, and things of that nature. And, and we were just talking about that, and I got talking about some of the stuff that the Lord uh, had put on my heart. Uh, and I said, it's really amazing to me. They seem the upper hand. And Bethany spoke up, and she said, it's because they're unified. They're together. Where's the church? 
folks, I'm going to tell you the president can't fix this and the Congress can't fix this and the Senate can't fix this. I'm going to tell you when it's going to get fixed is when God's people come together and God's people start praying and God's people start bombarding heaven and God's people start seeing things coming together. I went over to Exodus chapter number 17. That's one of them little bouncing balls I've had this week and you'll find where they went to war against Amalek and Moses told Joshua to go pick out men to go fight them and he said when you're fighting them I'm going to the top of the hill and I'm going to take the rod of God in my hand and I'm going to hold it up I'm going to hold it up and I started thinking about that just a little bit and Joshua really probably didn't have much of an idea what was going on uh, but there was a battle going on they were fighting Amalek and Moses went up there on top of the hill and he had the rod of God in his hand. Now Dalton, to the average bystander, that rod was nothing more than a walking stick. You know when Moses got that rod? Exodus chapter 4. When he was in the backside of the desert taking care of his father-in-law's flock and God told him, throw that rod on the ground. Let me show you what I can do with this. Do you understand what God can do with faith? you understand what God can do with his word? Folks, I'm going to tell you, we want to see some change. Well, Moses went up on the hill, uh, and as he went up on the hill, and I'm just going to give you some things the Lord put on my heart. I mean, he went up on the hill, and he started holding him hands up. Amen. And just as long as he held his hands up, <clears throat> Israel prevailed in the battle. Do you realize today how many battles Israel lost? Do you realize today how many battles that Israel lost and why? Amen. They went at him with the wrong attitude. They went at them in the power of their might and not in the power of God's might. How many battles in life does it seem like we lose because we do it in our might instead of God's might? Amen. And then what happened when Moses' hands started getting heavy and the rod started coming down, his hands started coming down, Israel started losing. So what they do? They got two boys over there and they come right here beside him and held his hands up. Now, folks, I'm just going to give you this and I'm going to move on. Whoever your pastor is, I understand the terminology. Oh, we're behind you, brother. He don't need you to be behind him. He needs you to be beside him. Right. Holding his hands up. Right. I'll be honest with you. Some of you, there, you're so far behind. I don't even see you on Wednesday night. Think about it. Folks, I'm telling you, there's, it's a discouraging time. You hold people's hands up. And that's how you win the battle. That's how you win the battle. You, the rod of God. I mean, Moses didn't have a Bible, but he had that rod. And he knew what God could do with it. You know, those shepherd's rods told a story. They would carve things into those rods to make them remember things that they happened in their journey. I mean, brother, I believe that is exactly what we need in this time. Amen. Being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So you see this enemy that you've got, and the Bible said be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you something. He's outnumbered. He's overpowered. And the only ammunition he has is what we give him. You know how the devil beats you? Defeat doubt, discouragement he'll bring you down he'll get you down, he'll keep you down and I believe that as we look at what this whole armor does consist of now if you're going to have this kind of power you have got to have on God's armor God fully equips his people and 
as you look at the enemy that we're facing today, the enemy today, and I heard this yesterday, I saw this actually on social media yesterday, another church closed in Unicoi County. Closed its doors. What's happening? What is happening? What is going wrong? And you see, in our own nation, <clears throat> we're looking over there at a country and we're wondering what's happening and what's going wrong. Don't tell me we can't. We, we, have fought, we have had victory over greater enemies than what's over there right now. We faced Hitler. We faced Germany. We faced Japan. We faced Korea. We faced all these things. And there are men and women that went over there and fought and gave their lives. But you know what the difference was? I believe that you had people at home that were praying. Thank God. You give me the prayer of a mother. A man that will get up in the middle of the night with her baby's temperature running up well over the capacity that it should be. And she gets on her knees and starts laying her hands on that child and asking God to bring his temperature down. And you watch that temperature come down. That's the kind of praying we need. That's the kind of praying we need. I'm going to tell you right now, we ain't got nothing but a bunch of uh, hirelings, amen, anymore. But, folks, we've got to have somebody that can really get a hold of God. I mean, you show me those old men of God, and I've heard stories about them that would go out in the woods and find their playing place, and you could hear them praying for miles around. Amen. They were getting a hold of God. They were getting in touch with God, and they were seeing God move in ways like they had never imagined before. Amen. But now what's happening now what's happening? I believe exactly the same thing that we're seeing now is the same reason that Israel lost many battles as they went through life. So let's put some armor on. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Folks, I'm going to tell you, this is not for the faint of heart and some people just don't have a stomach strong enough for it. We're in an evil day. You think it's bad now, you hang around a while. You think what's happening over there now and some of the images we're seeing are bad. You just wait till God takes the church out of here and those that are left behind when the Holy Spirit's gone. Amen. You want to talk about beatings. You want to talk about torture. You want to talk about when Satan is able to come at people with full strength. You hear me? I don't understand the last days. I'm like Brother Dalton. People talk to me about prophecy. I'm going to tell you, amen, there is the, the scripture is of no private interpretation. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that's looking for a new word for the Lord, and they ain't even wanting to look at the 66 books he's already given us. God's already told you what you need to do. I know what's going to happen. I don't have to understand what's going on in the Middle East. And I hear all these guys talking about, Brother, isn't it exciting? You've got Afghanistan, then you're going to have this, then you're going to have that. You better get ready for Jesus to come back because he's going to set up a kingdom, thank God. And when he comes, he's going to rule and he's going to reign and he's going to do it right. And folks, I believe today that that is where we are. And it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for the weak. It's those that are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You better make your peace calling and election sure with God and you better know you're saved. Because if you don't, you ain't going to make it. It's going to get hard. You ain't seen nothing yet. So we look here first of all, take under the, you the whole armor of God, and you can't just take pieces of it. You've got to take the whole thing because they're intertwined. You may be able to withstand an evil day and <coughs> having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I believe the greatest thing we can stand on today is the truth. 
The truth hurts people's feelings. You realize that? Amen. The truth hurts people. People don't like the truth. There's so many people that are run from the truth. Amen. And they don't like preachers because they told them the truth. They don't like preachers because preachers actually preach the truth. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's only one truth. And that truth is the word of God. Amen. Amen. I mean, the word of God is truth. And Jesus said, you're not going to know it if you lay my Bible down. If you lay my word down. We cannot lay this word down. I believe that you could actually take this Bible and you can listen to news programs, Dalton, and if you know it well enough, there's going to be scripture pop in your head to let you know that's exactly what Jesus said would happen. Are you with me today? Folks, we're seeing it happening all over around us. I mean, the truth will set you free. Amen. But you've got to continue in his word before you'll ever find it. And thank God for the truth. Even Jack mentioned it here last week for 123 years. Shallow, I believe, has been standing on the truth. We've got to continue to stand on the truth. Amen. There's one thing about it, and I've had a lot of people tell me, you're just in the wrong generation, boy. I mean, you was, wrong. you was born about 30 years too late. You'd have made a fine preacher back in the 50s, but you ain't going to make it now. I'll tell you the truth. I don't care if you like it or not. We've got to understand what God's truth is. Amen. And why are we seeing the things that we're seeing now? Why are we seeing the weakness that we're seeing now? Is because people have abandoned the truth. God said... Listen to me. This is just not something some man dreamed up and decided he'd write down because he thought it sounded good. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is God talking. This is God speaking. And if we see the Bible as God speaking then we're going to see it a whole lot different. You want to talk about judgment? You want to talk about how severe judgment's going to be? You stop and think about when the creator of all the universe and the God of all the world, amen, you stand before him and you give an account for yourself. All knees will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what is God going to judge me by? He's going to judge me by the truth. See, I don't believe anybody, and I realize, and I've, I've read this, I've heard it, I've seen it. There will be people on that final day that are going to try to argue with God. But, Lord, ain't we done this? Lord, ain't I prophesied in your name? Look at all the good things I've done. You must have this wrong. You need to look again. No. God's judgment will be final, and it will be according to the truth. And I believe, Dalton, when it comes down to that point and anything that gets brought up against me in judgment, I'll have to agree and I'll say guilty guilty but thank God you know who took my guilt away Jesus Jesus said in John 14 6 I am the way I am the truth I am the life no man comes to the father but by me he's not a version of the truth he's the truth he's not one way among many he's the way he's not a lifestyle he's the life and we look to him understanding all that so uh, we stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and your loins is the top part of your legs, and that's what you stand on. I believe we've got to stand on the truth. You've got to stand on something. You've got to believe in something. And then you're going to have on the breastplate of righteousness. And, uh, you know, you stop and think about that, and people try to be justified by what they do. 
uh, but the Bible said, but for the righteous and by the righteousness of the law, they'll no flesh be justified. It's impossible to be justified by the law. Because if you're guilty in one point, you're guilty of all of it. Could you imagine going before a judge in this world and not being guilty of breaking one law, but all of them? They'd jack a jail up and throw you under it. They'd probably hang you, execute you, breaking every law in the book. But Jesus will stand up for my case. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I just didn't wake up one day and become the righteousness of God. I just didn't wake up one day and I just automatically transformed into being a child of God. And, you know, folks think all these different religions in the world now. And you know what, when you stop and think about it, let's back up here a minute. <clears throat> think about a lot of the evil in the world. It's religion. Are you with me? It's religion. These people have a religion. Do you know that these people believe? The Taliban, as I understand, they believe that Jesus Christ was a great man? They believe a lot of the same things you do, but when it comes right down to it, they do not believe he was the son of God. You see, that's the whole point right there. But I want you to look across America right now. Go in the number of churches. How many of them will talk about Jesus? A lot of them have dropped Jesus out of the ending of their prayer. Well, I hate to tell you this. If you don't pray in Jesus' name, you just wasted a whole lot of breath. And you just wasted a whole lot of words. Because Jesus is the only one God will accept. He won't accept you. He can't accept you. Because you're imperfect. You're a failure in yourself. But thank God for Jesus that came. And when he died on that cross, he didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. I finished it for everybody. Thank God. That's where the power is. And we've got to understand that when we stop and think about that. Uh, he is, uh, uh, he's not only the truth, but he is our righteousness. It's our breastplate. It's what covers our heart. It's what people see when they look at us before they see anything else. And your feet shod with the preparation <clears throat> of the gospel of peace. Uh, now... I want you to think about, first of all, the gospel. What is the gospel? Uh, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Simple definition. Uh, I believe it's God's perfect plan. It's God's message that's unfolding uh, for the world. Uh, and we've got a preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, preparation, anytime anything <clears throat> is prepared, is prepared for a purpose. God has a purpose for the gospel. A gospel preacher. That's what we need. We need gospel preachers. We need people that preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. We need preachers that preach hell hot, heaven sweet, and away straight on a gun barrel. That's Jennings Wilson used to talk about that all the time. And that's exactly what we need now. This is about Jesus. It ain't about me. And if a man of God gets up and he don't take you to the cross, he made a wrong turn. He made a wrong turn or he went on the right road to start with. So we stop and think about the gospel of peace. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The gospel gives peace. The world is looking for peace, but they won't accept the gospel. Jesus said, I'm the Prince of Peace. Peace, peace, people would say, when there is no peace. See, there is no peace in this world. When you're looking for peace and you're looking for things to change and get better uh, and to evolve into something that 
uh, is going to transform and just all of a sudden make everybody happy and all are going to be the children of God. That's not the way this works. You see, I really believe today that we've got to have on that whole armor. We've got to have the truth. We've got to have righteousness. And we've got to have the gospel of peace. Thank God. And thank God for the gospel that brought peace to my life. I think about before I ever got saved, I was in so much turmoil. I was in a haze. I, 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 it's, it's hard for me to explain. And uh, Actually, I had been out of church for a long time. I was raised a pastor's son. Uh, and I was in church. I mean, when I came up, there was no option. You didn't get up. Mom and Dad never got up and asked us if we wanted to go to church. I never had the option. It was always, get up, get ready, we're going to church. And we didn't have to, that Mildred walked. I didn't have to walk. Thank God I didn't admit a long walk. Uh, but we had a car, and we rode in an old 1970 Chevy Impala. had vinyl seats, and then vinyl seats cracked. I mean, it was really bad. But we got to church every Sunday. And I'd sit in them Sunday school rooms with them teachers, and sometimes it'd just be me and them. But they taught me about Jesus. And even one of them, I had the privilege of preaching her funeral, being in her funeral, and talking about how faithful she was in that little card class. Amen. She'd hand me that little card, and I'd sit there and look out the window and watch squirrels playing. She said, I didn't think you was paying attention to a thing I said. But she said, I just hope that God was able to use me to reach you just a little bit because look what you're doing now. You're a preacher of the gospel. Folks, you don't know who you're impacting. You don't know who you're impacting. You see, there's people today that are so far from the truth. Look at this gay and lesbian movement now. Amen, it's growing. You notice that? It's growing. You know why it's growing? There's more people pushing it. There's more people getting on board with it. These people are acting on what they know on what they know, on what they've been taught all their lives. They don't know anything different. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, I come that they might have a better way. And Jesus even went to people and said, let me show you a better way. Let me show you a better way. And Dalton, that's what people need. I mean, I know it's real easy to come in here and pound on these pulpits and talk about how wicked these people are and how bad these people are. I believe there's not an evil individual over there in Afghanistan right now that God's not looking at them and said, I wish you'd turn to me. I wish you'd let me save you. I wish you'd listen to my word. Think about that. Think about your children that are living in sin. God's not looking at them saying, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. No, he's saying, I wish you'd just turn to me. I wish you'd let me come into your life and I'd, I'd be able to make something out of you that you just cannot begin to imagine what I could do for you if you just let me. See, I believe sometimes we ain't got the armor on because we ain't putting it on. Amen. Put it on on Sunday and go to church and then leave and ain't doing nothing. So then we find, stand therefore having your loins girded about with the truth, having on a breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want you to understand what are your feet associated with? Movement. Movement. Everywhere you go, your feet, the gospel of peace. You know what? I got a pair of gospel shoes, Dalton. They fit fine. Right? They don't hurt my feet. They don't cramp me. They don't slip up and down. They fit me fine. I believe the gospel should be our guide in everything that we do. Everywhere that we go. Everything that we undertake. Everything that's done. We are to have those gospel shoes on. Above all, in other words, above everything else I've told you, 
Above all, here's what you need. You need to take the shield of faith, whereby you shall be able <coughs> to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, the Bible said, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession among many witnesses. Think about that just a minute. Have you ever found it unusual? I know that I have, and I've even mentioned it here before and even preached on it, I guess. Uh, how unusual it is that faith would be referred to as a fight? Is that not weird? I've always found that strange. What's, what's there's a fight about it? I mean, why, why would you have to fight? You're fighting unbelief. You're fighting those things that you don't understand. You see, I believe that when faith comes right down to it, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. This. I can hold it in my hand. It's real. Brother Dalton, when I'm hoping for something, I can't hold it, but I know that it's there. Faith gives that substance. If God tells me that he's going to give me an airplane, I might as well go ahead and start building a hangar. Faith. How about Abraham? Think about Abraham that walked by faith. We've talked about Abraham on Wednesday nights. Uh, I mean, you stop and think about Abraham. Uh, you think about Abraham just started walking one day when God told him to leave where he was. Where are you going? City which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Where is it? Ain't got no idea. When you going to get there? Don't know. I'm just going to keep walking. Heard a preacher this week. Uh, he's talking about Elijah. Uh, when Elijah went up to the brook, and he got scared, and he ran for his life, and he went up there and said, they're going to kill me. They've already killed everybody else. I'm the only one left. He's got, i got 7,000 in Israel uh, that have not bowed their, beat of, uh, their, their knee to Baal nor worship his image. Uh, and he said, I want you to go down over there, and I'll strengthen you. Where's that? Over there. Down by the brook. What spot? You'll know when you're there. Amen. And I believe that. So... Uh, we take the shield of faith. You're going to have to fight off a lot of fiery darts of the wicked because he's going to throw them at you all the time. I mean, you, you realize today in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren. You know what the devil does all day long? He accuses you. He stands before God, <clears throat> and he is your accuser. He's the prosecuting attorney. He's trying to make you look bad every day that you live. That's what he wants to do. Stands before God day and night. And he never stops persecuting the, faith, the faithful. But I believe we must stand with faith. You realize without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have to have faith. Does faith mean I walk out into nothing? Faith believes when we don't understand. God don't have to explain everything to me for me to understand everything and believe him. I just have to look to him and let him know that I believe him. Lord, where you lead, I'll follow. Where you want me to be, that's where, I'll, that's, that's where I want to be. And then the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. First of all, let's think about the helmet of salvation. What does a helmet protect? Your head. Where does the devil do a lot of his work? I've heard it said the Bible says that the mind is a devil's workshop. I don't find that in the Bible, but I really believe he'll destroy you in your mind. We're seeing a time now when people have more mental issues, mental illness, than we're seeing before. And you know who's behind that? The devil is. He's trying to drive people crazy. He's trying to set up unrealistic expectations that they'll never be able to meet. 
and he'll do it to anybody that he can and he'll use anybody that he can in any way that he can and folks I believe today that that is what we need to know more than anything else if you don't know anything else and if you don't have complete assurance today that you are saved listen to me I feel like I could really get ripped up right now you better know you're saved there ain't no second guess my I've already got one foot on a banana peel you better get over that I know my Redeemer lives he didn't say I think my Redeemer lives or I believe my Redeemer lives or I hope my Redeemer lives he said I know my Redeemer lives and on the latter day he'll stand upon the earth and I'll see him for myself and not another friends you better know you're saved the devil's always trying to convince you that you're not. Brother Billy Mitchell always talked about how that the devil uh, would have somebody at the back of the church and the whole time they were back there as a sinner, he was telling them they were saved. And then they walked down the aisle, come bow, get saved, and they're on the way back to their seat. Now he's telling them they're not. Now how can you go from being saved back there, coming up here and getting saved, now he's telling you you're not. That don't work. That math does not work. But you stop and think about that. We have got to know that we're saved. And we've got to have the helmet of salvation on. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I believe one of the greatest detriments that folks are facing right now, anything you tell them, they believe it. Right. Unless they're in church. That preacher's out there just a little far on that limb. I don't know if I believe all that or not, but I can go home, flip on my television, I can watch a news program, I believe everything they tell me. See, I'm convinced today you can think whatever you want to. I believe that a lot of things we hear today, 90% of it is probably lies or watered-down truth. And watered-down truth ain't nothing but a lie. You want to know what the facts are? Remember old Joe Friday on Dragnet? And he'd bring somebody in there and he'd say, all right, I want the facts. Nothing but the facts. I want the facts. I don't want anything but the facts. You give me the facts. How do I know how this world is going to end? How do I know that what we're going through right now is not the last battle? I know it because God's word tells me that it's not going to end that way. I know, I know, I know, and I know that I'm saved, and I know that God is going to be with me because he said he would never leave me. Never. That's a long time. That gets me through a whole lot of doubt and a whole lot of discouragement and a whole lot of things that I don't get. But Brother Mike, he said he would never leave me. There have been times, folks, listen to me, that I couldn't feel him. But he was there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Drove by a church sign another day. I loved it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Same thing. So you think about that. So we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I, I saw this back a few months ago and um, the sword of the spirit. Now, sometimes I refer to this, and I was thinking, this is my sword. This is the spirit sword. I don't know how to use this. Do you realize that if you don't know how to use this, you can hurt people with it? How many people you ever known that went into a church, and when they went into a church, the preacher got up and he preached things he shouldn't have preached, and it hurt them? Now, I understand sometimes you've got to say, ouch, I'll take a good skin in any day in the Holy Ghost. You just let me know what I need to know, and I'll move up to it by the grace of God. But, folks, you can hurt somebody with a word if you ain't careful. This is not a club. It's a sword. 
And the Bible said the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, even to the very dividing asunder, soul and spirit, even to the joints and the marrows and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows all the, everything about you. And God takes his word and he applies it to our heart. And then verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now that word supplication, I've always heard it saying is being praying for other people. Uh, I saw this definition of it the other day. Supplication is humble, earnest prayer and worship. That should be part of our worship is prayer. Going to God, just adoring his name. Thanking God for what he's already done. Do you realize that when you look back over your life, that God has brought you through so many things already? And you were to thank him for that. Sometimes we get so caught up in what he ain't done and what he ought to be doing that we don't thank him for what he already has done. Amen. Jesus cleaned ten lepers one day. They all went away, showed themselves to the priest. Jesus said, I'm not going to do this in order. I've not died on the cross yet. You need to do according to the law. You need to go and present yourself to the priest. Just do everything according to the law. But only one of them came back to thank him. Jesus looked around and said, where are the nine? Folks, God has been so good to us. He has blessed me. I'm not going to say you. I'm going to say me. God has blessed me. He's given me things that I didn't deserve. And I, I just want to thank him this morning for something he did for me late yesterday evening. I was weed eating. And I have got an eye now for yellow jackets. I looked for them little demons. And I was weed eating, I weed eating a swath, and I looked down, and there was a whole herd of them little boys coming out of that hole. And I thought, oh, no, you don't. So I got on my horse and I rode. <laughs> he couldn't have caught me. I mean, I was my bad knee, and I was, I was going there carrying that weed eater. And I got away from them things. And when I got away from them things, Dalton, I just had to stop and say, thank you, Lord. I didn't want to get another flogging from them things. They've stung me in the ears, on the nose, on the eyebrows, in the eyeballs. They've stung me everywhere. But them little boys didn't get me, and God's got me tuned into them. Now, I got their number. You just wait till the sun goes down tonight. I tell you, it's going to be over for them boys. But I thank God for the little things. God let me run, even though I didn't think I could. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to be praying for those that are among us. We need to be praying for those that are around us, those that are carrying the truth. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. And folks, I just want you to know as we come down to this point, I want you to pray for me. And I mean that. I want you to pray for me, and here's what I want you to pray for. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I love preaching better than anything. I would rather preach than eat. I told Jack Sprinkle that one day on the phone. He said, what was that? And I said, Jack, I'd rather preach than eat. I just can't do it like I once did. But I'm going to be honest with you, it breaks my heart. I'm going to miss this. And it ain't just here. I can preach in the woods. Amen, I have. 
I've preached in the woods. I mean, it don't matter to me. I've preached in my car. That old Ford truck I got, that steering wheel, Lord be saved by now because I've done preached to it for years. I'm going to miss it. And it it's, I, I ain't going to lie to you. It's a tough transition. I want to get cranked up so bad I can't stand it. But wisdom tells me, Greg, you can't do that anymore. That's all right. God's got a reason in this. I'm going to come out of this stronger. That's why I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. Thank God. I'm going to come out of this a better preacher. I'm going to come out of this a better preacher, better teacher. I'm going to come out of here on top somehow. And I know that. But I thank God. And I thank God that he showed me this before it got really bad. It could have got a lot worse. Because I was so stubborn and hard-headed, I wouldn't go to the doctor and have it checked on. Thank God for a good wife. They just kept pounding on me and pounding on me and said, if you don't make an appointment, I'm going to make one for you. And Gary, really, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to do it because I knew what they were going to tell me. I knew what they were going to tell me before I ever went. But God started dealing with me. And I thank God that he does. And he gets us, and, and that's the thing about it. See, God always gets us to the right destination. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We all should speak boldly. Uh, Dalton was talking about just a minute ago, uh, speaking boldness. He said, sometimes I'm too bold. No, brother, always be bold. Amen. Always be bold. Don't, don't you be afraid of that. I mean, be like a little rabbit. I've, I heard a preacher say this one time, be like a rabbit jumping out of a brush pile just to spit in a bulldog's face. I mean, that's the way kind of boldness we ought to have. Do you actually think that when, um, and, and I heard this, again, a preacher say this the other day, uh, he was talking about Jesus and what kind of preacher he was. And I've heard, well, I believe he was probably real soft-spoken, you know, and he didn't really get worked up or anything. But when he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am, what did they say? John the Baptist. But you, you remind people of John the Baptist. Now, do you think John the Baptist was real easy going I don't believe he was he's chewing on a twig locust and wild honey wearing a leather girdle and he was hollering at people telling him to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand amen I mean Phil Kidd said one time John the Baptist was so mean even his own daddy wouldn't have him to preach a meeting down at the temple for him think about that who also did he say he was like he was like Elijah Elijah confronted the 450 prophets of Baal. I don't think he walked to him and said, you know, how long halt you between two opinions? Why don't, why, don't, why don't you just trust God today? If the Lord be God, follow him. If it be Baal, follow him. Do you think he said it like that, Don? No, I don't believe he did. <laughs> I believe he got a little more stern with him. And I believe he got a little more forceful with him. But you know, when it comes right down to it, we stop and think about that, and, and I want you to go back uh, and, and think with me about what's going on in our nation and with our world right now. What's really happening? What's really going on? When you've got your enemy outnumbered and they've got the upper hand, you've got a problem. This has nothing to do with firepower. You can make an oil slick out of every piece of ground over there and you ain't going to fix it. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that 
we put on the whole armor of God and we pray and we go to God I'm going to be honest with you I really believe the answer Dennis and the people that can bring real change are sitting right here in these seats you may never be in the White House you may never be in the halls of Congress. You may never be in Congress. You may never be a senator. You may never be in the House of Representatives. But I'm going to tell you that God hears you in your living room and in your prayer closet. Just as well as he would anybody up there. And I'm going to tell you, Dalton, if this world and our nation ever wakes up, and I'm just being honest with you. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to be honest about it. If we ever wake up, and the greatest thing that could happen today would be for the President of the United States, I don't care who he is, I want you to take the face off of it. It's a position. The Bible said the powers that be are ordained of God. Right? If he would only come to a point and say, guys, we're in trouble. And there ain't but one that can fix this. And that's God in heaven. Let's have a prayer meeting. What happened, Gary, when Jonah went to Nineveh? What did the king do? He proclaimed a fast. They wouldn't even let the animals eat. And he said, we're going to go to God and we're going to pray that he'll have mercy on us. And you know what happened then? Things started changing. There's such a thing, I believe, as walking in the wrong direction. Walking in the wrong direction. You can be on the right road but going in the wrong direction. I left a friendship over there in a tent revival one night over on the other side of 421 Bridge, and I got up there, and we had a tent meeting, and I had never been in that neck of the woods much. And we came out of there that night, and I got my lefts and my rights mixed up, and Gary uh, Roulette was in front of me, and we got down to the main road, 421, Gary Roulette turned left, and all I had in my mind is I had to turn right. That's all I had. And I thought, well, Gary must know a shortcut. He must live somewhere else. He's going a different direction than I am. Well, I turned right. And I kept looking for that bridge. And I never seen that bridge. And the next thing I looked up and I saw a sign there that said, Welcome to Shady Valley, Tennessee. I thought, this is great. So I turned my GPS on and told me to turn around. I just about rolled my window down and throwed that thing out the door. <laughs> we was over riding motorcycles one day, went up my backbone rocker at Damascus, got up there, and Danny got off his bike, and I turned mine off, and he looked at me, and he said, hey, preacher, do you know where you are? And I said, hush, Danny, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> he said, right over there is where I said, I know where I was. I can get you home now. But I'm glad I know where I'm going. Next night, I remember preaching in that meeting, and the Lord gave me a message on the right road heading in the wrong direction. And folks, there's a whole lot of times we are on the right road, but we're going in the wrong direction. Folks, I love you. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. And of all the things that I believe we can do, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. It ain't about us. And, and, and I know, and I've, I've battled with this, I know 
big numbers are impressive. They're nice. And I believe we, we want to have more people. I believe we all do because, and Brother Earl Cunningham told me this years ago when I was at Calvary Bible Church, he told me this years ago, he said, Brother, he said, I always like to see bigger numbers because the bigger numbers you have, the more likelihood there's going to be lost people sitting in the crowd. I can't make that happen. Whoever your preacher ends up being can't make that happen. Only God can do that. Let God have his way. Put on the whole armor of God. I believe if we stand for the truth and pursue the right things in life, then God will help us. Don't you? Well, I've probably gone well over my time limit this morning, but I feel good in the Lord. I feel like I've given you what the Lord's put on my heart. Uh, and, folks, I, I want you to understand today that as, as Den, uh, Dennis and Linda come, um, you may be fighting a battle right now in your life individually. You're, you're really struggling with some things. You just remember, just like this enemy, he's outnumbered. He's outnumbered. His weaponry is not nearly as bad as you might think or he wants you to think. But you just remember these things that I've talked about. I believe if we'll keep these things in mind, God will get you over any tide that comes your way. You're going to fight battles. You know, the children of Israel left Egypt and poor Moses, bless his heart, he led them. God had to take him to the backside of the desert 40 years just try to get Egypt out of him. I believe that's why he did, Dalton. He tried to get Egypt out of him. I don't want you to think like them people anymore. I want you to think like I think. And if it takes 40 years, 40 days, whatever, that's where I want you to be. But folks, I'm going to tell you this, and, and when the children of Israel, this is my point, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they went into the promised land. A lot of people think that was a place of paradise. No, their battles just started. Their battles just started. There were enemies there that had to be run out, run off. And folks, I'm going to tell you, between here and heaven, you're going to face a few battles. You're going to face a few trials. You're going to have to go through a little bit of turmoil. But thank God I'm going to tell you right now, heaven's going to be worth it all. Heaven's going to be worth it all. That, that's my final destination. These old bodies wearing out. I'd rather wire out for God and rust out for the devil any day of the week. I guess I'm really glad I'm wearing my voice out and wore it out preaching than I did in radio. If I'd have kept going in radio, I probably would have wore it out too because I've got a big mouth. I love to talk. But folks, I'm going to tell you right now, all that's going to be of any significance when we come to the end is what we've done for God. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Dennis. <clears throat>